You're listening to Athleisure Kitchen, where you'll get the inside scoop with those in the culinary world from celebrity chefs, food personalities, restaurateurs, and more. I'm your host, Kimmy Smith of Athleisure Mag, so set an extra plate as we chat all things culinary. On today's episode of Athleisure Kitchen, we have our January issue number 85 cover of Athleisure Mag, Chef Naisha Arrington. She utilizes food as a way to tell stories and brings her passion and intention to each plate that she creates. As a co-host and mentor for Fox's Next Level Chef alongside Chef Gordon Ramsay and Chef Richard Blaze, she inspires those in the culinary industry and provides expertise, intel, and techniques that they can continue to use as they navigate the industry. When we last talked with her in 2021 for our July issue number 67, we talked about how she got into her career and her passion for putting her soul on the plate. She was in the midst of production for the first season of Next Level Chef, and we talked about identity. Since then, Naisha continues to do what she does best, exploring the world through travel and participating in a number of pop-ups and multi-day food events around the world. She is currently on Next Level Chef UK, airing on ITV, and is back for the second season of Next Level Chef here in the U.S. on Fox that started immediately following this year's Super Bowl 57. We talked about her recent TEDx talk where she shared her life recipe the importance of mentorship and being in spaces that fuel your fire and allow learning about others and about yourself. Of course, we talk about the success of Next Level Chef and what makes it a perfect fit, as well as Native by Naisha Arrington, which is at LAX's Delta Terminal 3. think about it so we talked two years ago you were actually filming the first season and I knew I was going to love the show just because of the people that were involved and then when I watched it, I was like oh I'm so obsessed with this show and now to be talking to you and I was like wait she's doing this in London too like I was just like she is killing it like I am just so excited to see all the different things that you're going to be doing because you deserve that and so much more oh my gosh uh, no it's been an exciting journey thus far uh, and I'm just like grateful to be able to like put back into the field that raised me you know and it's a completely different time now and different um you know stories are being told and celebrated so it's uh, all part of it you know so yeah really grateful so as we were saying before the last time when we interviewed you you know we were talking about you know heritage and identity and and just all the things that you were involved in and i happened to watch your tedx berkeley talk which i think is so amazing um i literally was like wait let me just see what she's talking about here so once again you talked about identity being afro-korean exploration of self and creating a life recipe what was it like to be able to share this powerful message first of all like when they reached out to me i was like what (laughs) like do you have the right person because i mean it's like it was a pinch me moment because um i don't know i always just kind of saw myself feeling like in my purpose being able to share the message of life because you know, I'm living and learning simultaneously. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the person I am today wasn't the person I was five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And so to be able to kind of, honestly, it was the first time in my journey that I was able to stop down and 
look at the database collected. You know, I do network television. I've done, you know, digital stuff. And, you know, I meet a lot of people. I've traveled the world. But I would say in true honesty, well, I'll, I'll use the term vulnerable. I think, yeah. you know, uh, that I've had the opportunity to share my sort of life message with because it's truly from an authentic lived place, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, the first day when I got to Berkeley and I did my trial talk or whatever, like there was one person in the um, audience Mm. and after I finished he clapped and then he came to the backstage and he had like tears in his eyes and he was like you know um, that message is really going to resonate with people and you know I didn't have a lot of time to write it maybe like a month and I didn't have any coaches you know I learned after that like people have coaches and do all these things Mm -hmm. and like I didn't know that you know and so you know it's hard like any creative process you just kind of get the first draft down and um you know i read it mostly i read it to like my family you know my dad he's like my best bud i've read it to like close friends and you know i distill i was able to distill it down to the parameters set for the ted talk in terms of time and you know implementing the powerpoint tools and things like that so um it's hard you know it's a really hard thing but girl it was so like seriously rewarding because i mean i cried so many times through it and i think it was just a really cathartic process mm-hmm. because you know i mean i came up in the early 2000s with you know, there weren't a lot of chefs that like are of color. You know, I never really had that opportunity to work next to women of color. And I never really thought about it in all honesty. You know, I was like, okay, I went to culinary school. This is what they said you got to do. Here's the path. White tablecloths, fine dining is the pinnacle of excellence. And I was like, bet, like, that's what I'm going to do, you know? And I did it, you know, and and I never kind of took inventory along the way. I was just like grinding, head down, you know, lots of tears, lots of trial and error periods of, of the come up but um when i wrote that i i felt like okay like what my message for myself right Mm -hmm. as like a time piece like i'll look at this you know 10 years from now and probably be a completely different human and and also simultaneously what is the message or the life recipe that i can give to people to um you know have that same resilience because shit's not easy you know so and like especially having the opportunity to do next level chef sure it's a television show but honestly it's like literally it's like the best for me because Mm -hmm. I feel like I can reach a vast audience and now globally Mm -hmm. right after season one and like now the DMs blow up not because they're like oh whatever like you know we're a fan of you they're like hey you know can you mentor me hey I'm having this situation and it's mm-hmm. like by now I've pretty much seen a lot of shit you know excuse mm-hmm. my language and it's no. like so now to be able to have that time piece like I thought like what is the recipe you know and it's mm-hmm. like a micro macro lens to look through you know and it's like when I took that inventory it was like the first time I stopped down and like looked at like how did I get here because that's what a lot of people ask and I'm like how did I get here you know and it's like Mm -hmm. that's what it was you know so that was seriously like one of the most rewarding things that I've had the opportunity to do is kind of share that and it's true you know and it was kind of this like analogy of like actually creating a real recipe in the kitchen but also taking those tools and applying it to everyday life I like I said I listened to it this 
weekend and I was like, this is only 14 minutes, but it is such right. a profound 14 minutes. And it made me think of a quote that Muhammad Ali always would say, which is if you think of if you're 50 years old and you think the same way you do at 50 as you did at 20, you lost 30 years. And he encouraged uh-huh. people to take inventory and to tweak and do all these different things. And hearing you do it, I mean, it literally sent shells. And I was just like, I had no idea you didn't have a coach. I assumed that you did because all the friends I have that have done it have told me all the stuff that they've done. It was just very, very beautiful and so succinct and so applicable to regardless of what your vertical is that you work in. That's the thing. Yeah. And I I love that. And so, you know, in coming off of that, and I know that when you're cooking, you believe in sustainability and eliminating food waste. Why are these so important to you? Yeah. Well, oh, my God, I love the question. (laughs) I will say this, right? It shouldn't be this sort of like bad, right? It's not like an on-brand lens to look through. I think it's freaking really empowering because the term, quote unquote, sustainability can actually mean so many things, right? Mm -hmm. There's so many facets to that term sustainability. You know, if you're talking about, you know, growing your own produce, you know, having chickens, right? Like upcycling, right? Like using, you know, not single-use plastics. Like even if you are going to, know that you don't have to throw that resealable bag away. Mm -hmm. Like I am not ashamed to like wash a Ziploc bag because, you know, and I think those are the terms and what I mean in being sustainable because it's like, you know, in a a consumer-driven world where we're constantly, constantly being marketed to on billboards and ads and on our phones and email pop-ups, like website pop-ups, like we we just get immersed. And I will say that I've had a really, truly incredible opportunities to travel. And when I go to these other countries, like it really widens my perspective because I don't feel as bombarded with being um, mm-hmm. marketed to, if you will. So, you know, I, I want to share that message because I don't, I don't know that everybody gets the opportunity to go see how people live in the countryside of Mm -hmm. Bali or whatever, where it's like, no, we grow our rice, we collect the rainwater and it gives back to us or whatever have you, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, that idea can be exercised in different ways, you know? So like last week when it rained here, I put three buckets out, I got all the rainwater and I watered all my plants with them this week, you know? And it's like, oh wow. And I think those are the things that, what I mean by sustainable, because it's like mother nature without saying to like woo, woo, woo about it, like gives us all the things we freaking need you know like Mm -hmm. I yes I have a compost pile and it's like literally so easy to just get dirt put earthworms in it and then like put your food waste in it and like grow vegetables you know I have three little avocado trees that I grew from eating the avocado like it's like those are regenerative practices that are also in the lens of sustainability you know so Mm -hmm. I think you know yes there's like the conversation around things being greenwashed and like yeah there's like it's on brand to be sustainable but it's like I think that there's everyday practices and I I think especially in the terms of like byproduct use Mm -hmm. like for me the big one is scallions or lettuces that have regenerative natural capabilities. Like whenever I use scallions, I keep the like bottom two inches and I throw them in dirt. In a week or two, I have brand new scallions shooting up. And it's like those types of things are doable for people, whether you live in New York high rise or whether you live in like lots of land in Southern California. Like, so, you know, that those practices are really important to me on a smaller scale. And then I think also on a larger scale when you're buying for events and um, aligning yourself with like different brands you know I think you know being intentional
intentional about who you are buying from Mm -hmm. is another sustainable practice for the economy, you know? Um, So I think it really ultimately just distills down to intentionality, you know, and and I will say this, like it's been a journey for me as well because, you know, coming up, like I was in fine dining a lot and we would like legitimately like fly in a particular type of aluminum foil from Italy because it was like, whatever, it had, you know, certain qualities to it. You know, I just feel like, you know, the 1% that gets to enjoy those like thousand dollar meals, it's like, it's cool, Mm -hmm. right? It's a craft, I get it. But it's like also years and years and years of that. Now I'm kind of just like, okay, well, how can I actually take this like inexpensive cut of meat? And just by like understanding the anatomy or the makeup or the care of what that animal ate, I can actually make something really bomb Hmm. with just spending a little more intentionality and time, you know? So I, I think there's different ways point in case I think there's different ways to look at the term sustainability you know like when I was traveling through Morocco like I went to this family's home in uh, Marrakesh and like they literally live in a like mountain range and like built their whole like the whole family lives there the grandmas the aunts cousins you know and like they have they grow all their own stuff they have chickens they have cows and they literally built their kitchen like their kitchen was like literally like a cave basically and they like made these like earth like fires where they like burn live fire and like cook that way there was zero electricity like that is a way of being sustainable you know and just harnessing like the life tools that we already like possess you know and I guess I I get that's not for everyone that's not like practical in some ways but those ideas definitely can carry over in ways you know Mm -hmm. absolutely you've said that food is energy transfer and what do you mean by that I love that phrase oh my gosh um I love that too. You know I have well, questions. <laughs> you really do. You're like really speaking to me. Uh, well, it is. I mean, and out for an example, uh, this woman, she was sitting and she was eating my food. I never met her before. And I walked by her. She mm-hmm. kind of looked like, I would say, I will use the adjective like despondent. She mm-hmm. looked like a little like in her feelings, you know? And I was like, I walked by and I, came, I circled back around. I was like, how are you, miss? Like everything good? You know, thanks for joining. And she said, Chef Naisha, like I flew here to have this meal and I have not been able to escape the intention in this you know she recognized and felt everything from the plate right that the food was on that was made handmade by a friend of mine made these plates for me you know the food that was sourced from local farmers who you know I mean, I don't think they could care more, right? It's Mm -hmm. their livelihood. It's their generational legacy. You know, they they tend to the soil. They pull up the crop, you know, and they share this with me being the conduit who gets to then apply my creative process to it through my culinary journey onto, you know, the the cooks that prep it, right? Like Mm -hmm. the the chefs that get to create this dish and then ultimately the servers that... to tell that story right that Mm -hmm. I shared with them and and then all for that person to enjoy a work of art in a moment right that gets to live in the soul that becomes food data for that person to reflect on for years and years that gets that lives in the soul so when I say it's an energy transfer you know, it's it's like a kinetic energy. It's almost like a static buildup. It's like, and it, and it lives in that. It's a life force, you know, and, and it's mm-hmm. something that for me, I'm grateful because I've been able to travel based on that sort of mindset, you know, to go to a new land, if you will, and understand the terroir mm-hmm. and celebrate that and then apply 
my culinary knowledge, like I feel like I'm living in my purpose of why I'm on this planet, you know, so it it means that much to me. Well, what is the best bite that you've ever had? I would say when I was working for a chef called uh, Monsieur uh, Joel Robuchon, mm-hmm. he uh, he's was dubbed the chef of the century and um, he has this dish that's called a kai, like C-A-I-L-L-E or quail mm-hmm. in um, English. And that dish, like, I didn't understand how such a simple, elegant looking dish could have so much phenomenal flavor. And then I learned how to make it, you mm-hmm. know, and um, I was basically visiting a friend. I went to that restaurant and then I ended up working there. It's um, the whole entire plate, right? The way that mm-hmm. the herbs were picked and so fresh and so lightly dressed with this sort of like mild vinegar sort of flavor on the greens that that didn't overpower it but just really accentuated it and the quail was cooked so perfectly the jus like i'm such a sauce person Same. and the jus from the like natural reduction of the bones and the trim and you know that's another sort of sustainable practice with nothing going to waste and it was stuffed with this sort of like duck liver and like uh, these truffle uh, he has he's just, this dish it's like a signature potato puree and I like it's making my mouth water talking See, about it because I love potatoes was, <laughs> girl like I mastered that technique I had to learn how to make them mm-hmm. and um, I think ultimately to be honest to kind of sidebar for a second I think that's what got me on the show to be able to mentor on Next Level Chef because mm-hmm. I actually made those potatoes for Gordon Ramsay on um, MasterChef mm-hmm. and and um, that's when they called me like a couple weeks later and were like, hey, we have this concept that we're working on because I didn't even know that like Gordon actually had worked for the same chef. But that's probably one of the most memorable dishes I ever had was like the Robuchon quail dish with the mm. potato puree. Like incredible. Oh truly. Well, yeah. If we were at your home, what are foods or spices that you tend to always have on hand in your kitchen? Wow. I love this question. I'm such a spice girl. Um, same. <laughs> same, right? Like really easy way to add lots of depth of flavor. Um, well, I would say the spices that I always have on hand. I love cumin. Mm. Uh, I always have cumin. I always have paprika. I always have coriander, fennel seed. I would say those are my top four. Mm, nice. Well, with yeah. the big game coming up, you know, people are always coming together. They're watching, they're enjoying, and there's always an array of food and beverages. If we were hanging out with you, what would we have on football's big night? Especially because your show is literally premiering right after it. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, also cardamom. That's another one I always have. I love cardamom that. Girl, love cardamom. Mm-hmm. It's like, what I feel like it's such an underused spice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love um, my dad and I used to, it's our thing. We used to watch Super Bowl like like every year mm-hmm. before I started traveling more. But um, so snacks was like always the thing. Yes. And um, so I actually love um, these little things called like pigs in a blanket. Oh, yeah. So I'm from the Midwest. So. <laughs> <laughs> and so like these days, I'm like, how do I add veggies? Because it's always my thing. So get this. This is a really incredible dish, actually. So. Um, and it's kind of like a, you know, kind of like you don't have to like sweat it. I feel like, you know, football snacks don't always have to be like this, like opulent, like mm-hmm. you're in the kitchen, like Thanksgiving. You know what I mean? Yep. It's like it just has to hit. Like, exactly. So, you know what I mean? So uh, basically these pigs in a blanket, I actually uh, it's like for me, I, I like to dip them in mustard. Mm-hmm. Same. I'm not like a right. So like I'm I was not a thinking. Girl. 
Same. No, that's a no, no. <laughs> so, okay. Get this. So like I basically braised down mustard greens and then, um, I basically folded in some like Dijon mustard and then inside the, like the dough, put the little, like little smoky. And then I put a little bit of the braised mustard greens, chop it up and then kind of roll it up. And then I put egg wash over the top and then I put, um, like sauteed um, or like pop uh, mustard seeds on top and a little mm-hmm. flaky salt and bake them. So you get these like crunch little elements, almost like poppy seeds yep. and then like these like flaky salt bites and then you get this like kind of like, in, it's like kind of like a dip inside, you know, it just mm-hmm. keeps this like moisture element and you kind of feel like you're like eating healthy, yep. but you're not really. <laughs> and then um, I do this like Dijonese, so it's like equal parts like QP mayo, which is like a Japanese mayo. I love, with, like, QP. Dijon- love a QP. <laughs> moment um, with Dijon mustard and fresh chives and then you dip that in there it's like the best bite ever oh my god see between what yeah. you just told me and I interviewed Kristen Kidge a couple of months ago and she had a um, a kimchi version of her little pig in a blanket so I'm like okay mm. this this Super Bowl I need to like do something different to incorporate these things <laughs> mm. yes well you were talking about Morocco earlier ago which I saw through your Instagram and I remember when you were doing it and I said oh my god that looks so amazing you know you you are known for storytelling through food why did you want to go to Morocco and what was that like for you oh my gosh well first of all I just always wanted to get to the continent of Africa like that was my first taste at it and Mm -hmm. I and I cannot wait to get back want to travel through like Ghana and like Nigeria next Mm -hmm. um but yeah I mean um I just have had some amazing opportunities to storytell through food it started the first year was in Belize and um, that was like 2019. And then, um, you know, I did Morocco, I did Bali, I did Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so... You know, I think for me, it was an opportunity to connect. I traveled with uh, 12 people and, they, you know, basically led them on a culinary journey where I took them through the market oh, and wow. we collected. Oh, my gosh. So most beautiful thing is we actually traveled through Marrakesh and mm-hmm. Fez and um, the Orica Valley. And I was collecting ingredients along the way. And wow. then we cooked an amazing like huge dinner mm-hmm. and you know I think for me it's like to have perspective on other places from where just I was born mm-hmm. like I think it really adds to my repertoire and um, you know it's called I don't I kind of look at and you know I have a very um, unique perspective I feel like on cooking because I don't want to just know one style mm-hmm. you know like I learned French fine dining because I feel like the technique mm-hmm. right which is different from the ingredients and yep. cultural influence is the mother of cooking right like mm-hmm. how to braise how to make a sauce how to chiffonade or cut a brunoise like all of those things are applicable to the ingredients right or the terroir of where I am so like you know if I can go to a new place in the world and learn about you know a particular thread of saffron or like a way to cook couscous like I never thought like it was such an art like mm-hmm. you know to learn bread making firsthand from the matriarchs like I get to weave that into my tapestry which mm-hmm. becomes a personal uh, approach to cooking right yeah. so you know and I said it in my TED talk I believe that 
you know, we as human beings are simply the bridge, you know, the gateway and bridge from the past to the future. And so, you know, it's something that I wear with a badge of honor, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that's really why I try to travel as much as possible. I'm actually going to be doing another pop up um, in, in uh, Q2 of 2023 um, in Hong Kong. Oh, wow. And uh, I know. And it's like, wow. you know, people, <laughs> they're so excited. You know, they they don't want me to cook food, you know, try to give them my take on, you know, Chinese food. They want to mm-hmm. feel who am I on a plate? And that's what I think my superpower is, is being able to storytell through my food, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, you participated in Kwame's family reunion at the inaugural launch. And, you know, can you tell me a little bit about this multi-day event and, and why did you want to do it? And it was at the beautiful Salamander Resort, which we hopefully will be going to later this year. Um, why did you want to be involved? Well, I'll see you there. Um, <laughs> well, you know, he reached out. Kwame's a longtime friend mm-hmm. and um, colleague and we came up together, you know. So mm-hmm. when he asked me to do one of the closing ceremonies, which was to uh, pay respects to the founder of Ben's Chili Bowl, mm-hmm, which you is know, insane. I mean, I was like, <laughs> what? And so I moderated this panel, you know, and it was matriarchs, past, present and future. And like, mm-hmm. it's just a vibe. Like, I don't even know how to articulate it. It's just like really a vibe, you know, like, so I did that the first year, the second year I cooked. Um, and I mean, I'm not trying to like talk at them like big headed, but like they were like, this was probably the dish of the whole event. And it was so bomb. It was like a braised short rib, but I kind of had this like Afro-Korean influence with it mm-hmm. with on sweet potato grits. Like people lost their shit. Like, and mm. you know, you make dishes and you're like, yeah, this hits, this hits, this is amazing. So, like that's one of those dishes where I was like, dang, like, I, you know, I put my whole foot in that dish. Like people, it was, all, I mean, seriously, for like weeks, people were like hitting me up on Instagram, you know, like at the event, like, dang, like it was just one of those things. And it was just, that's that love transfer, you know, from, mm-hmm. from conception to the menu articulation to, you know, sh- people making the dish. Like you have to inspire constantly. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, and you have to inspire to be inspired. Truly. It's a full circle of life. But um, no, the family reunion, um, I, you know, I'm always grateful to be invited to. And, um, you know, every time I leave that event, I feel like I just feel my cup is full. You know, I let my hair down. It's like it it is a vibe. Like, I don't even know what else to say. Like, it's from the um, from the like playlist that's playing Mm -hmm. throughout the salamander to like the conversations. Because it's like, you know, we're all out here pushing and then you get a moment to kind of stop down and connect and like all that share ideas. It's really cool. So you're also going to be at the Mohegan Sun Sun Wine and Food Fest. So why did you want to be at this food festival and what is going to be happening and what are you going to be doing there? Yeah. So I'll start with my dish. Um, I'm doing a kind of toasted rice porridge with a uh, chicken, I call it ice soon, um, mm-hmm. meatball, which was my grandmother's name on, on my mom's side mm-hmm. um, with like these crispy garlic and um, toasted sesame and um, scallions. So I've been kind of um, playing with this idea of Afro-Korean cuisine. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of a dish that will reflect that. Um, and, you know, I chose this 
this because it is an opportunity for me to connect with my peers, to connect with a part of, you know, the states that I don't really get access to. So, you know, I I like to do these events because, you know, I don't necessarily have a restaurant that people can come patron. So Mm -hmm. it's important to me to take my food out on the road, if you will, be on tour. Um, And so, you know, as I I do a lot of private events in Los Angeles, but this is my opportunity to do public dinners. And so, you know, it's kind of amazing and hits all the touch points for me because I get to connect with my colleagues. And then I also get to share the message of food because I'll be doing the like kind of dine around where people, you know, get to like meet all the chefs and then also get to demo a um, a dish. So I would say the the demos are kind of my favorite part because Mm -hmm. for me, I feel like I get to demystify cooking, you know, because anyone can just like find a recipe, but it's like if I'm showing you how to do it, like I think people feel more empowered to actually go like make the recipe at home. So like this year, you know, and it may sound simple, but I think these are the type of things that people want to know how to make. Like that really levels up a game, like a freaking a salad dressing, you know, like, you know, last year I showed people how to make ramen noodles, like things that like people generally normally go buy. So this year I'm going to show people how to make, um, it's like a signature thing that I make called a shatter batter, but like this batter, it stays crispy for like ever. So it's like, yeah. And really it's just like a game of how do I capture the most amount of bubbles within a batter Mm -hmm. as possible. Right. So I show people the techniques, but also the science behind, you know, when to fold in your egg whites, Mm -hmm. you know, when to use baking powder, you know, and baking soda, what do those, both of those do scientifically. And just once you have those elements of chemistry, you know, people can take that and apply it to different parts of their cooking, Mm -hmm. you know? So I'm basically going to show people how to make the shatter batter. Um, I'm going to be like dipping different things and deep frying them. But it's something that I think people can keep because generally everyone has these ingredients at home, you know? So um, I'll be demoing that and then doing a dine around event with the chicken meatball. And then, um, yeah, so it should be a fun time. I love that you're always doing different types of events that show different types of facets. Like I know you had the one that's coming up for the St. Louis Community College for falling in love with the five courses gala. But the fact that students would actually be culinary artists would be able to work with you as well. Like, I love how you're always giving of yourself and doing things in a different way. Why did you want to be, you know, included in that event? Oh my God, I love it. You know, all the things. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I love you as a person, but I also think it's very important to, when a person has a signature and a person has a through line, I love seeing how true is that through line. And I mean, obviously yours is very true, but you're always like just doing different things, even though it might be the same thing, but there's a slight difference to it and how you're always yeah. raising people up. Up that are still coming up and I think that a lot yeah. of times people miss students and people who are just trying to you know break their way in so I think that's really cool yeah I agree because it feeds my soul as much as I hope it really feeds theirs this one I'm really excited about because I didn't have uh, the bandwidth in my schedule last year to do it and this year now you know having time to circle back around it's going to be exciting because uh, especially I was talking with the chefs and you know these culinary students the first 
first day that I sat in culinary school, Mm -hmm. like I knew that I I never wanted to do anything else. Like I was going to see this through to the end. And um, now to have the opportunity to give back to these young minds Mm -hmm. and nurture, it is a part of me creating that legacy within our field, right? Because, you know, it's a vertical, you know, Mm -hmm. and either it's going to grow or it's not going to grow, but it takes tilling the land to make Mm -hmm. it grow and be fruitful. So this is my way of doing that, you know, and it's also actually very cool because, I mean, I came up in literally like literally the best kitchens that you can work in in the world, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like to be able to kind of wear that hat for a day, but without having to tend to it every single day, if I had like a fine dining restaurant, selfishly, it's kind of a way for me to kind of wear that hat for a minute, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's what I'm good at, you know? And so I really love that part of it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, five courses for 500 people is no small feat. And, um, you know, we, I mean, the amount of pr- pre-production that goes into such an amazing gala like that is um, it's it's very challenging it's very rewarding but I'm truly like I don't I don't ever want to be like oh I'm a celebrity chef and mm-hmm. like I'm too big to like do the things like yeah. I'm a worker I'm a worker mm-hmm. like first and foremost and that's really what got me to where I am today so it's like to be able to do that like I want to you know make sure that I'm actually doing the things you know mm-hmm. like and so um, that's what always really important to me. Well, looping back to Next Level Chef and looking at the first season, um, first of all, because when I interviewed you initially, you couldn't really tell me like all the things. But after watching the first season, I was like, oh my God, first of all, I love the fact that they have these different levels that have different types of resources. Um, Because even though I am not a chef myself, thinking about the fashion industry and all these other industries that, that I've worked in, you don't always get to be like at the tip top. And sometimes you have to do a lot with less and still look, make it look amazing and and figuring out things individually as well as with the team. What did you walk away from as, you know, just all your thoughts on being this mentor, having a person who won from your team and working alongside Gordon and Richard? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. Um, Well, um, truly, like I, I don't think that like I could be more um, grateful to be on this type of program because, you know, ultimately I'm a blip on these chefs rate like life radar right mm-hmm. like yes it's cool I'm on a show blah 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 but like it's not ultimately even about me you know mm-hmm. it's about them right and yeah. like for me you know not being that far out of cooking competitions myself mm-hmm. like I can completely relate to how they feel you know yeah. like to be tasked with a you know to put a dish together within 45 minutes mm-hmm. you never saw the ingredients you never you don't know what level you're going to be on so it's yeah. like this gauntlet you know mm-hmm. and it's like you really start to see you know after you know the third cook you know then they're like maybe maybe have had the opportunity to be on the three levels by now Mm -hmm. so they're kind of like have had the opportunity to take inventory and be like okay now I can strategize or try to game plan you know but it's really hard you know Um, and so to be able to be a voice of reason at times because I get it once that light changes green Mm -hmm. and you're like go you know your mind is on a bullet train to be like oh 
okay, I need to grab all of these ingredients. I need to not freaking cut myself. But I'm also on TV, so maybe yep. I should smile. I, you know, so it's like yep. a lot, you know, and I get it. And so, but um, I feel like I'm that like, that also that like ghost, it mm-hmm. ghost, um, you know, like teammates. I'm also like, yes, I'm their mentor, but I'm also like, I'm on, like, I'm part of their brain, you know, mm-hmm. I'm part of their hands. Like, I don't feel like there's like this hierarchy of like, I'm on top of you. Like, I'm with you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, just to be able to be that voice of reason for these chefs to be like, hey, you know what? That might need less salt or this needs a little pop of acid. And then they get, and then they win. Mm-hmm. You know, those are the most rewarding moments, you know, and, and I and you can see the gratitude, you know, that they have for the entire journey, win or lose, you yeah. know, because, yeah, you know, Piet took it home last year mm-hmm. and she put her work in, you know, but it's like I would say a lot of the magic actually happens outside of the program because these chefs get four months of mentorship between myself, Richard, and Gordon outside wow. of the show, yeah. plus that $250,000 to seed their dreams, you know? So, I mean, you got to really honestly freaking hand it to Gordon because, I mean, when I was, I will say 2006, maybe, I remember working in this two-star Michelin restaurant and feeling like, dang, like, you know, I was just five years into the game and I was like, for me, I was like, I want to work in the hardest kitchens. And Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what I did. And I was like, okay, like, Naisha, you're like, you're definitely, and and the more I kind of like started to peel back the layers, I was like, dang, like, I don't know any Thing, you know, yeah. but like, but what I do know is I have work ethic, and so I'm I'm ready to take it on. But I was like, I need to look at who's like killing it, you know. And it was Gordon, you know, and he had the most Michelin stars. He was killing in media, and you know. I mean, to the point of watering the soil, like mm-hmm. to have a show like this where it's like, OK, I now get to like dedicate this years and years of ups and downs and, you know, the journey live to these young minds. Like it is yeah. it is there's no other show like it. Like, yes, there's a competitive component, but it's rewarding for the mentors also. Mm-hmm. So to be able to work next to him every day, like I can't even tell you, girl, like, honestly, I go to bed excited and like I'm excited to wake up <laughs> like it's like not like no moment I'm like oh my god this is hard waking up at four o'clock in the morning every day like right. I wake up I go to the gym and I sit in the makeup chair for two hours and I go out there and I'm ready to crush it every freaking day and I love it you know and um, I would say that like it's the most professional set that I've been on and it is the most inspiring because he leads his sets like you, you would like you're in a kitchen like to be on a set led by a chef's mind is mm-hmm. different than being on a set led by you know just like a production person like he has a production mind so it's like for me it's the best of both worlds because I've had the opportunity to do a good amount of TV by now but most of my life lived has been in kitchens so it's like I feel like I'm grateful because I'm in like the best place for me you know mm. what was your favorite challenge from season one? Ooh, my favorite challenge from season one was the uh, like kind of cultural mashup challenge mm-hmm. um, yeah so the chefs were tasked to take two different parts of the country and create a, a sort of synonymous uh, dish mm-hmm. and um, that's not easy you know no. because it's not just like people were like used to use the 
term I would say like in the 90s of like fusion Mm -hmm. and like for me it's a a mildly trigger word because like I'm like it's not just about fusing two consonants together it's like we spoke about earlier for me the best way to articulate a storytelling in a dish is to use techniques Mm -hmm. from one part of the world and ingredients from another right and and the elements that make up a dish so like if you say this is a protein Iberico ham from Spain you know and I want to do it with you know some sort of you know you're looking for like a citrus element you know maybe you're not using a particular orange from that region maybe you're using a lemon from a different part of the world but it's Mm -hmm. still an acid right so it's like it makes sense you know so it's not just about shoving square peg round hole two different parts together and so that's that's part of the journey to get to these chefs to understand how to build storytell through a dish and I would Mm -hmm. say that was definitely definitely one of the most memorable I remember when I saw that I was like ooh that could go either really well or it could be really bad (laughs) 100% 100% you really have to understand ingredients Mm -hmm. you know yeah well so how did you get on to Next Level Chef UK? Well, I mean, I just tried really hard on like <laughs> the season one. And I think that that's something that you can't fake. You know, like I genuinely have in full transparency some sleepless nights thinking about how I can be the best mentor to these uh, chefs, you know, and when they don't win, I take it personal, you know, and it's like, and, and how could you not, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that that resonated, you know, with the antithesis of the show, right? Mm-hmm. The ethos of the show is rooted in mentorship and it's something that I do not take lightly like you know win or lose you know Mm -hmm. Um, it's not even about losing I will say it's more about the opportunity for growth uh, you know and so I think that that really resonated with the team Mm -hmm. and um, you know they asked me if I would like to be a part of the team for the UK version and um, I mean without question I was honored so like you know um, that that was something that was definitely unexpected I didn't I didn't um, anticipate that at all you know and so um yeah it's currently running and uh, it was really cool for me you know to see how different people cook you know and especially mm-hmm. the most surprising thing for me was the range in um seeing how these chefs because they're all you know british mm-hmm. and like but seeing the range i was like oh you know like what kind of food am i gonna get <laughs> you know <Yeah. laughs> and i got a pretty wide range you know just from like indian and asian and Jamaican and and British. For me, I was a little bit nervous to see how an American chef um, would be received, mm-hmm. you know, and so That's and for me, girl, and like learning the verbiage, you know, <laughs> yeah. but like I was like, I was like, oh, it's actually all second nature because in fine dining, you know, a lot of these sort of French brigade style kitchens, mm-hmm. we use those terms anyways, you know, like just of the European culture, like yep. rocket for arugula or aubergine for eggplant and mm-hmm. these types of, you know, coriander for cilantro. So it came very natural to me. And um, I think part of it is just um, the ability to communicate communicate you know and so at the end of the day uh you know two human beings from different parts of the world we were able to connect over food and it was just some of the most enjoyable experiences that i've had being over there how excited (laughs) are you to you know be on back here again and what are you looking forward to wow um well i can't believe it um what am i looking forward to i'm looking for you know what i love actually is that um we spent and this makes sense actually for the progression of the show we actually spent um a lot of time vetting our teams prior to the launch of the show Mm -hmm. so um this season in 
instead of episode one, you know, us picking the teams, we're actually just going to get straight into it. And so I I know I love that because (laughs) now we built the base Mm -hmm. and like people know sort of the concept of the show. So there's a lot more opportunity for people to follow along the actual competition. So Mm -hmm. I actually really love that part of it. Um, I'm really excited to um, have more episodes. We actually are coming back with um, more episodes this season. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know that there's a better opportunity (laughs) of a slot to be airing after the Super Bowl is kind of a big deal. Yeah, right after the Super Bowl, and I'm like, oh crap! <laughs> like I know, I, will I know. Be watching, <laughs> girl, and also the fact that Rihanna's like playing at um, halftime, I'm yes. so here for it. Yep, this is so exciting. So to be able to end it, you know, watching you guys in another form of competition, uh, that same grit and just you know whatever, I I think that's amazing. I'm just so happy. Do you think that there will be you know in addition to additional seasons, will you be attached potentially to other uh, global destinations? with the show I don't know you know um, I don't know I mean when I first met Gordon when I guest chefed on MasterChef mm-hmm. for his um, finale I, I said my parting words to those chefs were to look at the kitchen like a playing field you know and you have to have an athlete mindset to win right it's not just one component or the other that you can excel in it it is a it is a team sport and you have to approach it every day uh, like with a competitive mindset, not with the others, but with yourself, mm-hmm. right? To 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 not only ask but demand excellence from yourself. And I think I think that is uh, one super cool thing that will be a synonymous dialogue throughout all of the parts, you know, or wherever this show goes. Um, you know, there's so many layers to it mm-hmm. and so many facets. And, um, you know, to have that spot after the Super Bowl is incredible. Um, I'm excited to be on the UK version. I, you know, I'm not sure, you know, what the future holds. Um, and so we'll see. I just, I know in this moment, I'm, I, I could not express enough gratitude to the uh, Fox people, to the Studio Ramsey people, like mm-hmm. um, it's incredible. I, I can't even like words can't explain actually how incredible it is to be on that show. Um, and you know, if my if it ended tomorrow, I will feel good about what I had to offer. If it went on for ten years and I was a part of it, that would be amazing too. You know, um, regardless, I would say uh, when I when I looked at who was killing it in the game, and it was Gordon for me, mm-hmm. and to, to be able to have the opportunity to have spent so much time with him so far has been a lot. It's been a dream. I I. I couldn't ask for more actually and as a viewer, it actually it just looks supernatural. Sometimes yeah. when you have certain types of pairings, regardless of the vertical or type of show, you can see, oh, well, so-and-so really wanted this or, well, the advertisers, they definitely jumped in, but there's no connection with the people. But when right. seeing the two of you, it's just, that just feels natural. And that is such a blessing because sometimes, you know, you have to make a mountain out of a molehill and this, that's just what it is. <laughs> Girl, I'm saying, like when we had the launch party in the UK, um, a couple weeks ago he I wasn't ready for it like he didn't tell me I was gonna he you know they brought us on stage mm-hmm. and um, you know the producers press like culinary students like friends all these people were in the building mm-hmm. and um, he passed me the microphone he's like oh thanks for coming everybody blah blah passes me the microphone mm-hmm. and he's like say some words I was overwhelmed with so much emotion and gratitude like I started to tear up and you know I, I pushed on through my words I said my things and um, it tearfully you know Mm -hmm. and um, after people like kept coming up to me and were like 
I was bawling my eyes out, like mm-hmm. listening to you speak. But it, to, to your point, it comes from a very authentic place. And mm-hmm. and point point being is that after I spoke, Gordon spoke, and he said he's so grateful to work next to me. Also, mm-hmm. but he also said the thing about it is, and especially about this show, is that it always comes back to the food. Yeah. And so no matter good days, bad days, like we will never not have that, you know. And I think that's what makes it most authentic you know is that that will never falter we like every day we have team meetings we think mm-hmm. about these uh the concept of the day right these yeah. challenges of the day we think about it and we go oh what would you make with this or what would you and we think about things and we really treat it as if it was like a kitchen mm-hmm. you know and that's that's where all of that comes from is that it's it's there's a root system yeah. you know it's not just produced by you know these freelance producers that come in and just mm-hmm. try to build a storyline like it, it is a, it is a true chef show you know mm-hmm. well since you're always on the go what do you do for your own self-care so that you can reset and be ready for the next adventure because you literally could be anywhere yeah it's very true and I look at it like a big grid system you know and I think about it like that because I've been conditioned and I grew up playing team sports so I kind of look at it the same way and I grew up you know, working those 12, 14, 15 hour days. Um, So if I know that I'm in London next week, you know, the few days leading up, you know, I might do a juice cleanse. I might um, work out a little extra harder so that I could sleep a little better. You know, I might negate sleeping a little more the night before so that I could sleep on a plane. So it's all managing time ultimately Mm -hmm. um, and being intentional with how you're spending your time lived. Mm. Um, And I think that's the most important thing. Uh, I will say, um, 2019 was a huge growth year for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think before where I was managing my stress in different ways, whether that was like a few glasses of wine or overindulging in food, mm-hmm. I've turned that around drastically to putting that same energy into my gym routine. Mm-hmm. Like that for me was a life game changer, not just in my career, but in my in my regular life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I sauna a lot. I ice bath. I um, do a lot of like CrossFit. So mm-hmm. those things like functional fitness, mm-hmm. it, it is a thing. Like it makes me function in my regular life. Like I have way more bandwidth to take on these larger feats, you know? And so um, I would say that's like the main thing and how I'm able to kind of maneuver, you know? And, and I'll be honest, I, I, I wouldn't be able to do it alone. Like I have a team you know, um, that keeps me on track and manages my calendar and helps me. Um, I'm, I don't like to come from a reactionary state. I'm a very proactive person. So, um, that's literally the only way that I'm able to manage, um, such a demanding schedule. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I would say it's, I mean, it's a lot of self-care girl. Like it's a lot of (laughs) meditating. I I wear a tracker, my aura Mm -hmm. ring like tells me when I'm like not doing the things properly and I adjust, you know, and you know, I do IVs. I think I told you about this last time maybe but yeah I do the IV game like I do um red light therapy you know like yeah I get my my B vitamins you know like I'm very 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 intentional with my body well philanthropically how do you give back to your community and, and those in the culinary arts um well um you know I think things like this gala event mm-hmm. you know we're raising a lot of funds to go towards this culinary school mm-hmm. um 
you know, I mentor outside of um, kind of these hosted events as much as possible. So I do um, a ton of private dinners all over LA and I always make it uh, my business to hire the team of the next generation Mm. that's coming up and specifically women of color if I can, you know, because it's just good to be intentional with Mm. um, where the dollars are going. Um, But I mean, knowledge is power. We we know that, you know, Mm. so the the more that I can share um, with the next generation the better um but yeah you know i think it's ultimately through mentorship as much as possible well are there other projects that you have coming up that you're able to share well i just opened a restaurant um a couple months ago in the delta terminal at lax nice that i did yeah (laughs) really yeah so i'm working on that project um with potentially more to come Mm -hmm. um i would say definitely if people are interested to check me out at my hong kong pop-up um Mm -hmm. that's really cool time to connect but um yeah the uh restaurant at lax and delta terminals killing it right now exciting it is exciting um it's very very exciting um yeah so those are the things i can kind of talk about now there's a few others swirling around i think it's a little too early to tell but yeah well what do you want your legacy to be well uh, i love these questions (laughs) what do i want my legacy to be Mm -hmm. you know what i want it to be i want it to be uh i want people to feel like they can be more um like vulnerable and open to conversation Mm -hmm. you know i think for me being able to storytell through my food is a way to connect with people and breaking down these walls right Mm -hmm. that have like been so systemically ingrained in us especially in like different cultures and races Mm -hmm. like i want my legacy to be the glue that bonds humanity wait to sit with you again to share another great story with you at Athleisure Kitchen. Athleisure Kitchen is a part of Athleisure Studio, our multimedia podcast network, which is the division of Athleisure Media, and whose sister site is Athleisure Mag. Get the latest episode by listening, following, and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Premium, Himalaya, or your preferred podcast platform. Find out additional information by checking out the show notes. You can stay in the loop on who future guests are by visiting us at athleisurestudio.com backslash Athleisure Kitchen and on Instagram at Athleisure Kitchen and at Athleisure Studio. I'm your host, Kimmy Smith. Athleisure Kitchen is executive produced by Paul Farkas and myself and is mixed by the team at Athleisure Studio. We'll be back with another episode, so make sure that you set an extra plate for us.